This is your typical radio ad while eating a crunch bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and a warm welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Jane Garvey, and TV critic Rihanna Dillon. This is the place to come for the best in telly and streaming and some really good stuff this week. Now, it was my idea to investigate the world of couples therapy. Nobody else was keen, but they are now. Uh, Rihanna, who's, as we know, happily engaged. Did you enjoy couples therapy? (laughs) All right, leading question. (laughs) It was great. I'm so glad. I mean, you've been banging on about it for weeks and I'm really glad you have because yes your persistence has paid off i am persistent if nothing else and what else have we got this week rihanna apart from uh, my marriage guidance help there we've got an incredible film called mass which has got bafta nominations we've got another film which has no bafta nominations i won't get any (laughs) i want you back and we also have call the midwife because you spoke to the creator Heidi Thomas. Yeah, I am an unashamed mega fan of Call the Midwife. I haven't missed an episode. It may be a generational thing, although I think lots of young people enjoy mm-hmm. it too. And it is coming. This current series is coming to a pretty epic conclusion. Um, I think this week, this coming Sunday night, will be episode eight, the final episode of this series. And there's a lot of tension around it. So I have talked to Heidi Thomas, the creator of Call the Midwife, and also on the podcast this week, the great Sandy Toxvig. Uh, she's chatting about her new series, coming to Channel 4. It's Extraordinary Escapes. Now, this is the second series of the show where Sandy takes other brilliant women to some of the most beautiful and remote places in the UK. Places that are designed as holiday hideaways. Here is Sandy. Sarah Millican and I were at a spa and they said, we'd like the two of you to put swimsuits on and get in the water. And both Sarah and I said at exactly the same moment, yeah, that's not happening. So, so we were not prepared uh, to 
to do the, the Baywatch scene. Which is a shame. Um, I enjoyed talking to Sandy. You can hear more of that a little bit later in the podcast this week. Now, you had a bit of a drama this week <laughs> at a gig. This is horrifying. I mean, the fact that I went to a gig at all is quite horrifying. It's impressive. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, I went to see the Kooks, which is one of my favourite bands of all time with my mum sitting up in the balcony. I'd ordered myself a pint of uh, vodka Diet Coke just to... <laughs> Just to avoid the cues. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, not not for any other reason. And then I look down, and there's this gaping hole in my engagement ring. I was actually that must have been a horrible moment. It was really horrible. My stuff. So the, the main stone had fallen out somewhere, and I was absolutely devastated. It was quite near the end of the gig, but it did definitely ruin the euphoric last twenty minutes because I was in tears. <laughs> And then, so the lights come on. We're at the Brighton Centre. Is lights there a happy on. ending? Lights come on. I'm crawling around on my hands and knees and I found it. I actually found you it. You found which, it. Oh, yeah. Which is, I'm so delighted. What a drama, as you say. And it's all fixed. It's all fine. Oh, that's good. That is good because we now move seamlessly on to our first review of the week, which is Couples Therapy. Couples Therapy, yes. I said this is the show that's got a lot of middle-aged people talking. I think, if I'm honest, I think that is true. I think it's one of those shows that began to resonate with perhaps people who may have been through these sorts mm-hmm. of experiences. But actually, or, the people on, on screen aren't. They're no, they're not all. No, 20s, they're not. Yeah, some are in their 30s. Yeah. yeah, And then there are some middle-aged people mm-hmm. as well. But um, it was interesting that I hadn't heard about it and then somebody said, oh, have you seen it? And then somebody else said, have you seen it? So it's one of those growing things. So what is it? So this is a therapist who has all of these couples come into her lovely, beautiful New York office Um, and we sort of see them outside chatting nervously and then going in she has a really cute little dog that runs around it feels it is a beautiful dog it's it's all really stylish and beautifully shot um at least until covid hit and then they started to have to do everything all their sessions online but yes it's just it you are literally just in a room with this couple as they talk about we and luckily we stay with the same couples for the most part throughout the series so uh, the the first time I watched this I was really praying that we wouldn't move on because of course you you want to know what happens next yes you really get invested in these couples and they really vary you know some you they sit down and just from the word go you think they should not be together surely this cannot be salvaged the way that they speak to one another and then there are some who obviously are trying really really hard and they really listen to this to this incredible woman couples therapy is on bbc2 on monday nights at 10 o'clock episode 7 is the one coming up on monday the 21st of february everything else of course available on the iplayer uh, to give you an idea here's a clip he calmed my noise and i woke him up <laughs> so it worked out so he calmed your noise and you woke him up yes and so Beautiful. it was perfect perfect uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, fast forward, mm-hmm. we, we no longer speak the same language. Um, he misunderstands me and I totally misunderstand him. Which, in what way? He'll placate me most of the time just so that he doesn't have to engage in a conversation because he thinks I'm going to yell or scream or I whatever. I think you're going to yell and scream? I'm an intense individual and that's the way I speak. That's one of the participants in couples therapy. I think that's actually a brilliant illustration. I think she's a great speaker and at just, I don't know whether, do you think British participants could be as emotionally articulate as some of these American (laughs) control? I'm not sure. Anyway. No, um, I don't think so. Because even in these moments of kind of, 
tearfulness mm. or, or devastation sometimes, they are able to articulate how they're feeling yeah, they so really well. They are. They're American. Yes. And I, I'm really, I hope a British version of this is made in one way, mm. but in another way I think we might all find it painful, Ooh. though probably essential viewing. Um, so the therapist is the real star. Who is she? So that is Orna Goralnik, and you're right, she is the most kind of beautifully neutral person, yes. isn't she? I have no idea. And I, I'm not somebody who really talks about energy or vibes, but if anyone has got incredible energy and an amazing aura, it's this woman. And what's also really important is... You know, obviously, therapists need their own therapist to offload on. Yes, you see and that too. We see her talking to her therapist. And it just, I love that sort of chain. And I wonder how far that goes. Yes, I, I am interested. It's a bit like people who insure insurance companies. Who, who and there are some people who do that. Who actually, who talks to the therapist's yes, therapist? Who's at the top of the line? Um, <laughs> just no think, idea. But it's it's brilliantly done. It's just it's really well crafted, and she's not afraid to butt in when people are just kind of going off on one, which as is their want when you're talking, you know, really passionately about everything that annoys you about your partner. That conversation can go on quite a long time, and she's not afraid to step in and say, "I just want to take you back to what you said." Yes, and picks up on all of these incredible things that normally in a conversation you would just gloss over. Who do you think? is enjoying couples therapy because I, I I use the word enjoy slightly in speech marks. Um and, and would it be is it is it a show you could heartily recommend? Yes. I think it's such that she gives such good advice and not all of it will apply to you, but some definitely will. Yeah. Even if it's not now, it might down the line, or you'll recognise something in a past relationship, or you'll recognise it in your friends, or you know, it, I think it's really clever in that way. And again, it comes back to that cross section of people. I think anyone could watch this. Also, we should say nice, short, watchable episodes. Oh, yes. They're 25 minutes long, yes. aren't they? Yeah. And before you know it, it's over. Mm -hmm. And actually a little bit like a you know a takeaway. You can't wait to have another one, Yeah. if I'm honest. And it, and because it's on iPlayer, it just automatically on plays the next one, which is great. Yeah. I wonder how many people spent the whole of Valentine's Day watching this. <laughs> and I think that would have been really good for your relationship. Very good indeed. Okay. <laughs> um, couples Therapy, you can find the next episode if you want to watch it old school on Monday the 21st of February, 10 o'clock on BBC Two. Uh, that's the seventh episode in Series Two. And then the rest of it, Series One and the rest of Series Two, is on the BBC iPlayer, of course. Now, this is such a, it's quite a big leap from couples therapy <laughs> to the cheery, ditzy fun-ish of I Want You Back, which is available to watch now on Prime Video. Here's a clip from the trailer. I love being single. I'm really looking forward to it. All the apps? Getting on the apps? Yeah! That's going to be cool. Swipe left, swipe right. Who's ugly? Noah, you was the love of my life. Damn it! And is the love of mine. I'm like fully in new relationships. She's leaving me for a middle school drama teacher? Can't take it with this guy. Look at that bio. Artist, director, human. Oh, you're a human man? I bet he's a chill hang. We can't give up. We have to get them back. I really think we can break them up in like no time. It's on. That gives you some idea of the setup of I Want You Back. Um, in summation, two people get chucked on the same night find each other, 
and come up with a plan. Yes, to get their exes back using each other. So you might have heard Charlie Day there, who has quite a distinctive voice. You might have seen him in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or Horrible Bosses, you'll probably recognise him from. And Jenny Slate, who is, she's so funny. She's in Parks and Rec. She was in a film called Obvious Child. She's in loads of animations because she has such a unique, distinctive, weird voice and just lends itself perfectly to those sorts of films. This, I... I really laughed out loud. I in. did too. I like just had it on. It's not a difficult watch. It, it was, isn't. It was quite a nice, easy... I should say we have got a difficult watch coming up yes. um, this week, which is Mass. But this is the absolute polar opposite. It's at the other it's the end. Antithesis. You need. You almost need something like this lined up after you watch Mass. This is the ultimate palate cleanser if you just want some light-hearted fun. But I should say there's some sharp wit here, isn't there? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of laughs. There is some really good writing and it, it fits very much into that old-fashioned rom-com mould. Although perhaps maybe a bit too old-fashioned in that it is a little bit obvious. It does fall into, you know, really similar pitfalls that we've seen a million times. I think it it almost could have been wackier because you do have these two brilliant comic actors at the heart of it who are incredibly wacky and they can do quite surreal comedy as well. And so when when they're kind of making them do paint by numbers stuff, Mm. it's slightly frustrating because you know the potential is there. They're capable of more. Yes, but you're right that it is really witty and sharp and they're best when they're together on screen rather than kind of off doing their weird escapades trying to break up the other couples which you never well anyway I don't want to give too much of this away no you're right though you will you will sit here it's for nearly two hours long this but if you just need something to cheer you up and get you through February or what's left of it I want you back on Prime Video will do the job it's available now now, a little bit later in the podcast, I'm going to be talking to the writer and creator of Call the Midwife, Heidi Thomas. But here's something else that could jolly you along throughout the rest of uh, this rather dreary month. It's Sandy Toxvig's Extraordinary Escapes. She's on to series two of this. Episode two is on Thursday, the 24th of February, nine o'clock on Channel 4. And you can catch up with all the previous episodes on all four. So here's a quick clip from Extraordinary Escapes, followed by my chat with Sandy Toxvig. There's no hanging around here. Our first house needs exploring. Upstairs, the cool decor continues in the five stunning bedrooms. Oh, uh, Sunny? Yeah, Sunny. You have to come and see this. I have found the dream bedroom for you. Really? Yeah. Come on, up you come. Better be it's worth it. Astonishing. Okay. Oh, come and look. Come and look. It's amazing. Here, here, okay. Here, here, this here, is here. your bedroom. Okay. Is it? Look up river. Oh, wow. We are right on the bend of the river. And then look that way, the river. Have a flop down. (laughs) That was a clip from Extraordinary Escapes and Sandy Toxvig is here. Sandy, hello, how are you? I'm well and yourself. Not too bad at all, thank you. Now, the concept of Extraordinary Escapes, well, I'll tell you what I think it is and then you can put me right. (laughs) You get... An amazing, actually, collection of, of brilliant, funny, talented, witty women. And you take them out of their comfort zone and you put them somewhere beautiful. I can't believe some of these minimalist homes you explore. It's absolutely, it's another world. Oh, it's the job from hell, Jane. It's the job from hell. <laughs> no, but it, it isn't, is it? 
it's the best job I've ever had, I think. Um, I get to spend time uh, with these lovely people. And the bit you don't see is that we genuinely stay in these places. Uh, and I love cooking, so I quite often make dinner. So I get even more time with them than you see on screen. The really extraordinary thing is this is 2022. And as far as I'm aware, no travel show has ever been made before where two women of a certain age went on holiday together. How do you pick then the women that you had on? Because you've got Sinetra Sarka. I've seen that episode. That's episode two that we're going out next week, I think. And you've got Sarah Millican, uh, great Sue Johnston's on there. Who else? Sarah Pascoe. She's not a certain age, is she? Not yet. No, sure. not yet. I'm just encouraging her uh, where she could be <laughs> heading. That's all. So a lot, some of them are my friends. Uh, Sarah Pascoe's my friend. Sarah Millican's my friend. Uh, Philippa Perry my friend. And then others are women that I particularly wanted to hang out with. Uh, Sunetra I've admired for a very long time. And it was just wonderful for me that within the first five minutes, we'd completely uh, clicked. Um, so uh, Sue Johnson, who doesn't want to hang out with her? What has been wonderful is the turns that the conversations have taken. And sometimes we're crying with laughter and sometimes we're crying. And I really love that because that's actually what holidays are like with women. How much then do you agree to show or are there parts of those conversations that just become too personal? Well, it's interesting and I don't want to give too much away, but I had a very surprising and deep conversation with Sue Johnston in which she talked about a portraying a sexual assault victim in one of her soap operas. That was Brookside, wasn't yeah. it? And yeah, and I was properly crying and I, we had a long debate about whether we would show it or not. But uh, Sue was absolutely fine with us showing it because she, it was an interesting conversation about how soap opera can help people. It isn't just entertainment. Storylines come up that actually assist people to be able to speak about things. There were things that we absolutely went... No, so Sarah, Sarah Millican and I were at a spa and they said, we'd like the two of you to put swimsuits on and get in the water. Both Sarah and I said at exactly the same moment, yeah, that's not happening. So, so we were not prepared uh, to, to do the, the Baywatch scene. Well, I think many of us are a little disappointed, but I'll, I'll watch it anyway. Uh, and what about, you mentioned that it's taken a long time for a series like this involving women to be made. Mm. You do see a lot of travel shows still done by men. And now you've got men and their sons doing mm. travel shows. Mm. When is this going to stop? There's still work to be done. What is wonderful about this show, and I'm so proud of it, is that anecdotally, it's the most uh, successful thing I've ever done in the number of people who come up to me and say, thank you for making this. I just relax when I'm watching it. This is not, yeah. th this is the sort of telly way. <laughs> Honestly, you put your feet up, have a glass of wine or a cup of tea, um, and it's beautiful. Uh, you'll feel good and uh, I pretty much can guarantee you'll have a laugh somewhere along the line. Is it not true that on the whole, and this is a generalisation, women will happily watch men on television, like Bob Mortimer and Paul Whitehouse is a good example of that, but you probably, or TV people think, you couldn't attract a male audience to a show dominated by women. Is that the reasoning? Commissioner will tell you that's the reasoning. Uh, all I can tell you, for example, um, my wonderful local butcher has not stopped talking about the Christmas special that we made of Extraordinary Escapes and how much he enjoyed watching Deborah Meaden and I being snogged by wolves. I think it's mistaken these days. But do you know what? Even if we just made it for women to watch it, I'm fine with that too. You do pick the most beautiful parts of Britain. And uh, Sinetra is a scouser, as, mm. as I am. And she I've never been to the Norfolk you took her to the Norfolk Broads mm. and uh, she seemed properly bowled over by the countryside. It was actually, it was rather moving, to be honest. Well, the Britain is amazing and it's wonderful. And we have all been locked down in our own little spheres and life has been, uh, you know, 
complicated. Uh, so to go out and and take a breath of air and see how beautiful it is, it's 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 good for the soul to look into the distance. It's good to have a vista. I hope you can hear it on the uh, on screen. There's literally moments where she just took a great deep breath and went, oh! <laughs> and I love that. Or or when I um when uh, Sarah Pascoe and I held uh, baby lambs that had just we'd watched them being born. We watched them literally crawl out of their mothers, and then the next thing they were in our arms. It's very moving to be allowed to be part of that. And the minimalist home. I mean, who owns these incredible <laughs> places? It's just the lack of clutter and the beautiful bedsheets. I'm obsessed yeah. by this. Yeah, how do these a... people, how do they live like that? There's a lot of Egyptian cotton. The truth is, <laughs> all of these places that we go are available for hire. I say that, it's whether you have financial uh, resources yes. uh, to hire them, because some of them are. <laughs> I would I would blink twice uh, before hiring them. Uh, Sarah Pascoe and I stayed in, a, in the smallest, most beautiful and perfect castle I've ever seen in my life in Scotland, and that was just glorious. We've uh, Sarah Millican and I stayed in an old mill house that's been there for centuries. Um, but you can, if you explore, there are astonishing places available for everyone um, to go and stay. And some of them are not as expensive. There are, you know, um, some lovely sort of wooden huts that we stayed in as well. What about the future then? <clears throat> what's um, what's next? I mean, could you take extraordinary escapes abroad when we're allowed to travel? Uh, I'd very much like, I'd like to. I'd love to go to Europe. I'd love to go to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, as it happens, I'm touring this year and I should be uh, taking my one-woman show to New Zealand and Australia as part of the tour. So if you fancy coming to Down Under with me, then yes. there's, a, there's an opportunity right there. There's an offer. Sandy Toxvig uh, talking about her one-woman show there, but also about extraordinary escapes with Sandy Toxvig. And I don't know why, but Rihanna's laughing. I don't know what the, your problem is. No, no, nothing. What a lovely end to that interview. Yeah, it was very she was inviting you to go down under with her, which was she very was. sweet. She was indeed. Um, don't be fatuous. Now, um, let's talk about extraordinary escapes. I, this is quite... Is it wrong to say it's pleasant? Because that sounds like an insult, it, and, I, it, and I don't mean it that but way. But I know exactly what you're what you mean. It's so comforting, yeah. and it's so beautiful. These and houses are so neat. It is literally just her travelling around the British Isles with with a group of mates, a, a different woman each week. Which again, I'm here for. We're all here for that. I love that, and they, they're just some wonderful idyllic places. It does show some gorgeous parts of Britain. I'd never been to the Norfolk Broads, and I, I watched the episode with with Sinatra Sarka. Yes, I just thought, oh gosh, that, that does look really, really lovely. Yes. Um, so you're right. It does. I mean, it's unashamedly. It's not dramatic, but it is funny. Yeah. And particularly when she's with a, a fellow comedian, mm -hmm. um, they spark off each other, and uh, it's just it's just really gentle. But I, by saying gentle, it implies that there's something sort of, it's easy to do. It isn't easy to do that sort of thing, is it? What do you mean, go to incredible places no, I mean, to and make, stay in these amazing houses? Well, that's, that's fairly easy. No, it, I, mean, I meant in the <laughs> sense of making television yes. that is so-called gentle. <laughs> yeah. um, it's actually, there's a certain amount of skill involved in, in doing it. That's yes, what I mean. It's clever because it does, it has the sensibility of a nature programme and also grand designs because yes, you are looking at this element. fantastic art architecture yeah. the whole time, whether it's a windmill or a lighthouse or just a beautiful home that mixes old and new. And then you have these, per these TV personalities in the mix. So you have comedians and actors and I mean, Alison Steadman was on series one, which was so much fun. And um, I'm really looking forward to the Sue Johnston one coming up because yeah. she is phenomenal. And just seeing Sandy Toxpig, as you say, spark off all of these women in a nature programme with, 
incredible places to stay. It's it's like a sort of dream watch because there is nothing threatening. You know that you're going to have a good time. So there we are. That's a thumbs up from both of us for Extraordinary Escapes with Sandy Toxvig. Episode two is on Thursday, the 24th of February, nine o'clock on Channel 4. You can catch up on all the other really nice, gentle, but that's a compliment episodes <laughs> on all four. Let us know what you think about travel shows. Do they actually give you inspiration? Do they actually make you a bit angry, uh, particularly at the moment when so many people are really up against it? Um, podcast at radiotimes.com. Uh, Kay has contacted us from New Zealand. Uh, enjoying the podcast, says Kay. It's a good way to get a heads up on shows before they eventually get shown here in New Zealand. Well, most of them. Also, it's been great to hear how you've both settled into the show and your on-air relationship after its early tentative days. I think that's quite a good description. I think I was probably quite terrified of you, Jane. Good. Uh, It's really natural and fun to hear you both (laughs) connecting so well. Thank you, Kate. And as a fortunately fan, no, never heard of it. It's also been nice to hear Jane in another forum. And it's been great, says Kate, to discover Rihanna. That's nice. Consider yourself discovered. Thank you. Yeah, after all these years. Uh, Kate in New Zealand. Thank you for that, Kate. It's very sweet of you, actually. Podcast at radiotimes.com. Now to a film that, well, we both watched this week, and it's one of those that you will not forget. Curiously, um, didn't feature in the Oscar nominations for reasons I don't understand, but I guess might be something to do with distribution not being able to be shown in cinemas. It's Mass, and it stars Jason Isaacs and Anne Dowd, and who else, Rihanna? Martha Plimpton and also Reed Burney. What's Mass about then, in, in brief, Rihanna? It's about two sets of parents that come together in this church hall across a table and talk about this unspeakable tragedy that happened to their children six years earlier. And it is just about everything that they have been feeling. And it is just an incredible feat of of acting, of writing and directing as well. It's all filmed in real time. This is a conversation that takes place over two hours, which is the time that you watch the film, um, which I always think is so, so clever, because that means that it leaves no room for you to take a breath at any point because you have to go through the emotions that the that the characters are going through. Here's a clip from Mass. How far back would you like to go? Wherever you need. Because I can tell you everything. But there's so much that no one will ever know. Even with all the professional advice, it came down to the two of us making the choices. Where's your regret? The worst outcome imaginable happened. Any change I might have made could have resulted in a different outcome. I regret everything. It's, is it fair to say it's a, essentially a filmed play? Yes. I don't want to put people off, though, because oh my I think this is brilliant. It is the most engaging film I have seen in a very long time. Mm. And I am often guilty of picking up my phone throughout watching something if I'm on my sofa Mm. and because this is on Sky Cinema I was watching it from my sofa Mm. and I did not look at my phone once in the two hours that it was on because it was so you did not want to miss a moment of emotion on these people's faces because they're such good actors Jason Isaacs I think is probably the most well known you knew you know Jason Isaacs and not many of the others the other thing I wanted to say and it's I don't mean this in any way insultingly the two actresses do look as though they are women who've been through an absolutely horrendous experience. So they're they're played by actresses who convincingly portray 
in their faces and mm-hmm. in their body language the the physical and mental agony that they have been through through, de- through decades. So I suppose I'm saying I'm really glad they're not too total beauties. Um, <laughs> yes. And we know who could have been cast in those roles mm-hmm. and they haven't been. Yes. And I'm really glad that they weren't. Well, Anne Dowd is somebody who you'll know if you've watched The Handmaid's Tale or The Leftovers. She's a really familiar face in US television and she's often terrifying, but also just a joy to watch. She is phenomenal and she has been BAFTA nominated. Yeah, but why no Oscar? Why no Oscar? I I honestly don't know. I think it's a real travesty. But also, it's also worth pointing out that no... I think maybe possibly for the first time ever, BAFTA and Oscar had no overlapping lead act- actresses right, in their okay. categories. That's so significant, is it? It is, because it shows just how many kind of wide-ranging performances there were. There isn't just one person who is going to... like. It's not like the kind of year where Olivia Colman won absolutely everything. Olivia Colman didn't even get BAFTA nominated this year. Um, so it is, it's a kind of a, a very wide-open race in the lead actress categories. I just think this is... Just there's real talent on display here. It's mm-hmm. brilliantly written, fantastically acted, and really makes you think. And I think any parent watching it will watch it thinking, "What would I do in either set of those two dreadful mm-hmm. circumstances?" And also, it's just a chilling reminder that none of us know what's going on in our children's mm-hmm. minds or lives, mm-hmm. if we're honest. And it doesn't get any easier as they get older. Anyway, that's cheered everybody up. So that's Mass on Sky Cinema and it's brilliant. And that's really funny because I think I used to tell my mum my every waking thought. So she definitely knew what was going on. She's she's a lucky woman, Wendy, isn't she? She really is. Oh dear. So tough watch, but worth it. Call the Midwife is a mega BBC hit. It's been running now for 11 series and you can find all 11 series on BBC iPlayer. I don't think I've missed any of them, honestly. Episode eight of this current series is on Sunday, the 20th of February at eight o'clock on BBC One. In case you didn't know, and I can't believe you've missed any of these episodes, it is about an order of Anglican nuns working in the East End of London. We have followed them through the 1950s and we've now got as far as 1967. It's actually a brilliant social history of Britain as much as anything else, this programme. It follows childbirth and all forms of community nursing but there's a lot more to it than that and regular viewers will be on tenterhooks to find out what happens in the final episode of this run because in last week's episode episode seven there was a train crash and all we know at this stage is that sister julienne and dr turner are in the wreckage and we don't know whether they're alive or dead. Meanwhile, uh, the gorgeous Matthew, who we very much hope will marry Trixie at some point, (laughs) and Fred Buckle, who's married to the local councillor, you know, Mrs Buckle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're lovely people. Fred and Matthew are trying to decide how they can help the people stuck still on that train. Fred, Fred, what's the latest advice? They put a ladder up on the bridge, they're going to get the injured down that way, but there's people climbing over the old sheds on the far side and it's not safe. All right, uh, direct them this way. We're setting up a first aid station inside the Narsus. Fred? Fred? Nancy, were you on the train? Yes, I, I, I was on the train and, and I went to the toilet and... Calm down, it's all right, it's all it's right. It's not all right. I was with Sister Julienne and Dr Turner and I left them. I couldn't get back to them. 
I don't know where they are, Fred. Okay, Rihanna, well, we'll get to hear what you think of uh, the series in a moment or two after we've heard my interview with the creator and writer of Call the Midwife, Heidi Thomas. We're left with, well, we see Dr Turner and Sister Julienne lying in the crash after the collision. We do. And we don't know their fate. Well, the thing is, if there was a train crash near where you live, the people uh, in World of Call the Midwife, the two people you could rely on to come and sort everything out are Dr Turner and Sister Julianne. You would take one look at them, or indeed at Nurse Crane, who is also absent at this point, and you would believe that you would be saved. But if they are at the eye of the storm, who will save them? You wouldn't dare kill those characters off, would you? I'm a very daring woman. You wouldn't dare kill those characters off, would you, Heidi? <laughs> I refer you to my earlier answer. <laughs> but it, it, it is... I've watched the series all the way through and on the whole, characters do not... Loved characters, and you've mentioned the names of several of them, they don't die and they're not given terrible... Barbara died. Yes, OK, apart from Barbara. They don't get these awful exits that we associate with soap operas. But, of course, Call the Midwife isn't a soap, is it? No. What no. is it? It's a drama series. It's a medical drama series set in the middle of the 20th century. So it's obviously a period drama series as well. And it's also a drama about people who love each other. And for me, when you're telling stories about people who love each other, there is no risk of melodrama. Because when you are dealing with intimate connections between family groups, between the generations, that is drama. And if you put them in danger or put them into a difficult situation, you find out more about them and you come away loving them more. What about the idea that there are taboos that you've busted on the show? Are there any that you haven't yet and are still to come? I've, I've written a list of things that you have talked about and there's just about everything there from incest to female genital mutilation, gay relationships, a lot of a, a nod to racism, abortion, and I'm, I'm sure plenty more besides. Domestic violence. We never set out to bust taboos or to break into hidden places for the sake of effect. But we do seek to give voice to the voiceless and tell stories that perhaps haven't had an airing on popular television before, because I think there is so much richness in ordinary human experience. And often the most painful things we encounter, we bury or we hide or we are not encouraged to talk about. And for me, there is something inherently moving and fulfilling about being able to shine a light, perhaps where no light has been shone before. Can I ask you, you have one son and you gave birth, well, he's 25, so mm. it's, it's some time ago, but you wouldn't be human if doing this series you didn't recall the birth. Oh, absolutely. It was an afternoon I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> and not necessarily for the right reasons. No, I had a natural labour and my mistake was to believe my own publicity. Everybody kept saying, oh, you're doing very well. So I thought I was doing very well. And when we got to the sharp end, it became obvious I wasn't doing well at all. And I ended up having a forceps delivery without an epidural in place, with only gas and air. And it was like being tortured, but the birth was not very well handled. If I had known what I know about childbirth, now I've written more than 90 episodes of Call the Midwife, I think I might have done better because knowledge is power in that situation. And it, it was an extremely grisly event. My son was so bruised around his head and face. In the makeup trailer of Called Midwife, we use 
the first photo ever taken of him as a model for babies who'd been in a forceps delivery. <laughs> He's literally pinned up on the one that's, oh, no, you do a black eye here, and a red crease there. And so that that's his contribution to Call the Midwife. In Call the Midwife, the one thing you always notice is that the mother in labour is nurtured. She's treated with respect. It's so gentle and so decent. And that's, of course, how it should be. But so many women in Britain and indeed in other places do not get that in childbirth. I've learned a lot from Terry Coates, who's our midwife consultant on Call the Midwife. And I remember once we were rehearsing a birth and she made an observation to me almost as an aside, which I've never forgotten. And she said, sometimes, Heidi, she said, as a midwife, my job in the labour room, especially once a doctor is called in, if forceps or von twos are required, she said, it's to get the last ounce of strength out of a woman who thinks she has nothing left to give. And I thought, that is an incredible skill. It still moves me now. And she said, you know, especially once intervention is required and intervention is often necessary and timely. But the idea that there is somebody there for you emotionally Mm. when things have got tough, I find just incredibly profound and very moving. We know there are two more series guaranteed of Call the Midwife, is that right? Yes. So that would take you up to 1970? Yes. Authenticity is important to you. So logically, you can't really continue in the East End beyond the time that the sisters were in the East End of London. No, but they were there until 1976. So that would take us to series 18 or beyond. It could be that they relocate. I mean, we nearly had to relocate this year because Netflix bought our studio. Heidi Thomas on Call the Midwife. Um, I love talking to Heidi. Um, She's always got a lot to say, which is brilliant. So many fun, well, not necessarily fun, but so many great anecdotes. Well, it's interesting that the woman who created Call the Midwife doesn't actually have a brilliant memory of her own childbirth experience. (laughs) Very unfortunate. I mean, she'll certainly be speaking for many, I guess, who went through the forceps Mm. experience uh, back when she did. But... um, I, I don't know whether I, I... I'm not sure I can comment just because this show really means a lot to me. I know, because you, you do talk about it every week. We have a discussion about what we've been watching yeah, and yeah. Call the Midwife always comes up and you can tell how how special it is, how how big a place it holds in your heart, which is really lovely. Yeah, and I think with me, it's because I, it, I started watching and it was about a time that I didn't remember. And mm-hmm. then gradually as it's gone on, because I wasn't even, I was even I wasn't alive. <laughs> and then gradually I've actually started to recognise that the, the clinic where they go to, mm-hmm. um, I went to a place like that. Oh, we used wow. to get given orange juice, welfare orange, <laughs> it was called. Um, and a lot of people, it will all resonate with them. So it started to become much more real to me. Yes, that's really um, lovely. Yeah, no, no, I think cool. it's very touching and I love it. But also I think it's a, it's really interesting to me that it's on television now, briefly, at, at the same time as this is going to hurt, just mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks. And I think there's a really interesting contrast between the programmes. Anyway, you can't possibly disagree with me about the brilliance of Call the Midwife. Oh, I, I watched it from the beginning. I haven't always watched it, but I, you know, I loved Jessica Rain and um, I still really miss Pam Ferris. Just in life. Yeah, no, Pam was great. Also, the costumes are brilliant. They were. The music is lovely. But there's a kind of iron fist in the velvet glove of Call the Midwife because mm-hmm. it isn't a cosy programme. It actually does cover some really difficult stuff, but it's tied up with a bit of a bow. And so some people, I think, are too they're too keen to dismiss it. I think often it feels well. Certainly, when I watched it last last week, yeah, when I was at home with my mum and dad, who do watch it yeah. religiously, and I I thought it was maybe getting a little bit soapy, but but watching it with my parents, 
it was was really nice because you know my dad was like can you believe that he talks to her like that or you know she hasn't even mentioned it and he's so into it and obviously my mum is and it just feels like it, this is just kind of has been sewn into the fabric of our culture in the past however long it's been on 12 years is it's, it? this is series 11 yeah 11 years and and so that it just it doesn't really matter about people dismissing it or not because the the audience that it's there for know what it's about they know what they get from it they know that it has so I mean, it does touch on some really quite horrific stuff but also the more every day mm. it's you know because it's not always just about midwifery is it it's not just no. about nursing and, yeah. and and loneliness and grief and all of the kind of the everyday stuff that we as humans have to grapple with yeah so uh, you know i think it is a really special program even if i've dipped out the dip last few well, years. dip back in i'm dipping back in i mean jenny agatha well, well, one of the, the most incredible women on the planet. She oh, she's amazing. Everybody's got a, a memory of the Railway Children. Oh, just my favourite film of all time. And Walkabout, the other great film. Walkabout, was... I discovered when I was very hungover at uni, and I was like, "What is this incredible film?" It's a remarkable film. It really is. She is a truly remarkable actress, and I think um, at the moment we don't know her fate. No. And Heidi was a little careful to avoid my probing there <laughs> and to dance around it. If I were a betting woman. <laughs> No, I'm not even. No, I'm not even going to go there. Um, you will find Jenny Agatha looking resplendent in her habit on the cover <laughs> of this week's Radio Times. The headline is "Don't do it." Bump off, Sister Julienne. No, <laughs> a nation begs. Call the midwife creator Heidi Thomas for mercy. Well, there is a longer interview with Heidi Thomas in the Radio Times this week, uh, also featuring the Archbishop of Canterbury, Helen Mirren, and Jim Broadbent. That's what I call a lineup. So that's the mag this week. It's out today, of course. Here's the quiz of the week then. I give Rihanna some clues and she fails to come up with the year in which the events or TV <laughs> shows or songs occurred. Really inspiring comments. Thank um, you so much. Let's revisit last week's fanfare, see how people are feeling about it. Uh, we'll give it another outing and then if it doesn't work for us, we'll we'll think again. We'll but sack it off. Here it is. Yes, I mean, this is all a little bit back with Jenny Agatha back in the day. <laughs> this is, um, I went on a bit. It's not really a fanfare, is it? Quite punchy enough. Let's go back to the drawing board. We'll keep it for this week. OK, here's the quiz. This is the idea. It's very complicated. I give Rihanna some TV clues. She has to come up with the year. So Baywatch makes its first British television appearance a year after it was a big hit in America. Audience figures in the UK reached an incredible 13 million people. When NBC cancelled it after its first season, ITV teamed up with a consortium of broadcasters to sponsor the show for further seasons. I didn't know this. It actually then ran for 11 years. In this clip, CJ, Pamela Anderson, (laughs) uh, is incongruously playing saxophone by a river when Mitch, David Hasselhoff, sneaks up on her. You love sick moose around? Holy God, Mitch, I'm sorry. I was just so surprised to see you standing there. Not as surprised as I was. How are you, CJ? How's Larry? Mention that name again, you're going back in the river. Oh, no. Not again, huh? Yes. How you doing? Never had a better day. Wow. That's how people used to get together back in the day. I have never seen an episode of Baywatch. (laughs) But that, that, that 
is why. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, much more seriously, uh, live coverage is aired all over the world as the leader of the ANC, the African National Congress, Nelson Mandela, is released from his prison near Cape Town in South Africa. Remember this? After 27 years, his head was high and his fist was clenched. Nelson Mandela walked out of Victor Forster prison today like a chief of state, flanked by his first lady and by the men who'd been hired to protect him. There they were, the South African state police, providing security for the man who'd once been the most wanted man in Africa. The ANC flag, illegal until 10 days ago, was everywhere, taunting the pale blue cloudless skies of Cape Town. Hundreds of thousands had come to town, a throbbing crowd in the relentless sun. They turned the central square called Grand Parade into a dance floor, and they waited. Incredible. Uh, coverage of the release of Nelson Mandela from prison in this mystery year. Mm. Now, someone who's recently been back in the news in Britain, the then Chancellor John Major, delivered his first budget to be shown on television earlier in this year. By the end of the year, he'd actually become Prime Minister. The One O'Clock News from the BBC with Philip Hayton. Good afternoon. Britain's new Prime Minister, John Major, plans to build a society of opportunity. Mr Major said Britain will play a full and leading role in developing a new Europe. Mrs Thatcher leaves Downing Street saying Mr Major has the makings of a great Prime Minister. It does seem a very long time ago listening to that. I love the idea of a politician saying they're going to make Britain a land of opportunity. Mm. You can all, when you can't really say the opposite, you realise what a stupid thing that is to say. Imagine a prime minister saying, "I want to make Britain a land of no opportunities at all." <laughs> Elect me. Um, okay, um, so that was a news clip from the year. It was also now this is really significant. The year that Tim Berners-Lee created the first web server, the foundation, of course, for the World Wide Web. Test operations began and it was released outside CERN in Switzerland the following year. I mean, the internet never really took off, but they thought it might become something. Oh my goodness, I am really stuck. <laughs> This is so embarrassing. This isn't really about TV. This is just history. Well, okay, the history of TV. If it helps, there were two big songs that year, two monstrous songs, big hits. Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice and Nothing Compares to You, Sinead O'Connor. So at the beginning, I was thinking it was mid to late 80s and now I'm thinking it's early 90s. And I'm going to say 92. Oh, Oh, 91. 90. Yes. I'm so lenient. Yes, you got it. Yay! 1990. Okay, brilliant. Uh, thank you very much for that. I'll really have to... Well, I was going to say I'll have to be on my game next week, but I won't be. I'll be fine. I find that absolutely draining every week. Poor girl. I mean, Rihanna does feel the pressure on the quiz of the week. 1990 was the answer. My turn under the spotlight next week. I'm really worried about it. Okay, so make sure you get your copy of the Radio Times with Sister Julienne on the cover this week. And if you want a breakdown of the listings of the programmes we've discussed today, make sure you look at the episode notes wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Do follow and join us every week. The Radio Times podcast produced by... Something else. For our mates at... Immediate Media. Yes, take care. Have a decent week.